Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Today, we will talk baseball with Chip Frederick. The guest line is presented by Bowl and Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how comfortable Bowl and Branch sheets could be until I got some. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Today's news presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk, a Nashville-based injury law firm. Sutherland and Belk is committed to fighting for those who have been injured in car, motorcycle, and truck accidents. Check them out at SB Injury Law and please tell them you heard about them on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Vanderbilt is heading to Knoxville for a three-game baseball series with the Vols. Commodores tied atop the SEC's overall lead with a 9-3 mark in Southeastern Conference play. Chip Frederick joins me on the podcast today. This will probably be a shorter version than normal, so let's get right to it. Chip, last week really hadn't been good for Vanderbilt baseball. Uh, the uh, the bats have not been going. The, the pitching was poor last weekend. Did the last week and a half do anything to fundamentally change your opinion of this team, or do you just kind of mark it off as a you know, a five or six game stretch that could happen at any point in any baseball season to any team. I think it's that, Chris. I, I, I you know, any team, whether they're they're dominant um, from the start or you know, like this team has been, they kind of got out of the gates quickly, and you know, they're they're going to hit a rough patch. the The days of the the days of that team, you hearken back on that team that went 27 and four, I think it was in the conference. That's just not going to happen anymore. There were, there were a lot of things that happened. Uh, I guess that was Tony Kemp's junior year, that team that went, made the huge run and I right. And it got beat by Louisville, correct. And the super regional, but that was a record breaking team. And you look at, it just makes that mark uh, so much un- more unbelievable that they were able to string, string that many wins. And again, talking about conference wins, but this harkened back. Anybody who's coached before, who's who's had any uh, experience in dealing with with kids in high school or college or whatever, you know the series uh, with Georgia. It's, that's not when it started, and I think Tim Corbin alluded to that. The UT Martin game uh, on the sixth, winning five to four. That just was not. You didn't come out of that game with a good taste in your mouth. It, it was it was uh, the way they won it. That's uh, a team that they should, should be handling all all night and all day long. And so that carried over. And with young kids, that's going to carry over. And as I told someone, a former player, a teammate of mine, when those things, this team, and you've got to remember how young this team is, extremely talented but young, and they get a couple guys hurt, and they get some guys who have to sit out, and, you, and it starts mounting, and then the young guys – turn around and they look and they're looking for some leadership or they're looking like, Oh, we've never been in this situation before. And it's just human nature. And I think it carried over to the weekend. Definitely. I think rocker gave up some, uh, the home run balls were some, some 
pitches uh, some flat, didn't have that sharp breaking ball that he normally does, and that mounted. And then the ninth inning was sort of like the Duke game and that Super Regional a couple years ago that just kind of went went crazy in game one. And the result was uh, they got the rear ends handed to them. And, you know, we were fortunate enough, I think, to win game two. I mean, Leiter did well, but that was nip and tuck. And you're talking about a team that could have been swept last weekend at home against a Georgia team that had not won a conference series all year long except that. So I think it shows the balance of the conference, number one. I think it shows that this team is human. I think it shows that this team is really, really young still, albeit very, very talented, but very young. And, um, you know, they've got to get out of this funk. I don't think the Eastern Kentucky game midweek, uh, winning 6-4, to four, that was a struggle against a team that was 10-21 and 21 coming in. Uh, and, and, you know, you just hope that they can right the ship here. Because I, let me tell you something, Chris. They're going into a hornet's nest this weekend in Knoxville against a team that is extremely confident, that's won every game, uh, I mean, series, excuse me, every series this year in the conference, who's won, I think, a remarkable stat, 42 of the last 50 games in general when you go back to the last year, and they were red hot last year. And Tony Vitello has got it going on at UT, right, wrong, or indifferent, if you like it or not. He's a very dynamic coach. He's, he's got a lot of swagger about him. The team has a lot of swagger about them, and they follow his lead. And, you know, it needs to be a situation where Kumar Rocker needs to set the tone on Friday night and get this team in the win column, or it could be continuing on for a while here. It'd be a long weekend if they don't get it straight. All right, let's hit some of the concerns. Uh, my concern is that this offense ends up being good rather than the great that it was for a while. I don't know where this settles, right? But Enrique Bradfield, Carter Young, Dominic Keegan, love all those guys as hitters, but, man, they look so vulnerable last weekend. Now, I think getting Isaiah Thomas back helps a ton because I think that kid was really hitting. There are going to be strikeouts, but it's also going to be that game where he hits two home runs and knocks in six and just carries you. And right now, the, the Thunder was missing from a lot of their lineup the last week, and I think getting him back is going to help. Yeah, and, and I mean, this team has left 270 runners on base, too, leaving too many runners on base and striking out too much. That was the, the, the recipe last weekend against a Georgia team that hadn't shown a lot of, of muscle on the mound uh, prior to that, and they completely, uh, you know, the, it just showed it was just the humanity of it, that these guys, uh, it, it, it was a struggle all weekend long, and you had Bradfield didn't look the same. I mean, didn't we look in the same stratosphere as he had in the previous weekend? And you're talking about a team that went down to Baton Rouge and completely dominated that LSU team. Now, granted, it's not the LSU teams of old. And then seven days later or six days later, um, that happened here in Nashville. So, yeah, it worries you a little bit about the young guys. Of course, you know, they, they Bradfield looked like he was struggling. You had Carter Young who didn't swing well on, you know, a, a couple games. It just never came together, and it snowballed. And, and uh, with the exception pretty much of C.J. Rodriguez, who had a pretty good weekend, it, it just you couldn't get the timely hit, left too many people on, too many strikeouts. It's like this team, when it doesn't do well, those are the things that, and especially in the strikeout column. 
I'm looking for on-base numbers by team. I'm wondering, first of all, I'm wondering where you found that one for Vanderbilt. I'm also wondering where that ranks them, say, in the league. Yeah, I mean, it's on their stat page as far as the uh, leaving runners left on base, uh, 270 left on base, opponents 199. And that's a telling stat, and I don't know where it ranks nationally or the as far as the conference, but... Uh, for a while there, this team in years past had had a, you know, sometimes had a label of running themselves out of an inning, getting guys thrown out and being too aggressive. But there were a lot of opportunities this past weekend, you know, bases loaded, runners at second and third, uh, just lazy ground balls in the, up the middle and, and fielded and the inning's over. And it just seemed like they could never get any traction going against Georgia. And it kind of continued against Eastern Kentucky. And those things, as anybody who plays baseball knows, uh, it's, it's not um, like in the old The Natural movie, you know, when they had brought in losing as a disease. This team, it's not losing per se, but it's just getting in the same habits that they've done before. It's not that they can't get out of them, but this conference is very unforgiving. Uh, nobody's going to feel sorry for you. And as I mentioned, this UT team, that's why it's so important to get off to a, a fresh start. Um, and I don't know what you – and again, I'm going to break off here and say that I'm glad the game's Friday. I'm tired of these Thursday, Friday, Saturday games. And I know that's that goes against some people. You know, it might work out for the Vanderbilt student in the long run who get to get back to campus or schoolwork and all that. I just, I'm a purist. I don't mind the occasional Thursday game to get the national exposure, but uh, I, I'm, I'm glad this is a Friday, Saturday, Sunday deal and get us back in that. Uh, there's just too many Thursday night games, but that's another, that's for another day. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by Jody Jones DDS. Jody is trusted for his creative design, and he is committed to both the aesthetics and function of your smile. He provides a range of sought-after dental and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. He's earned the title of number one dentist in Nashville for cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Dr. Jones treats his patients in a spa-like atmosphere. He's worked with artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years. He's dedicated to providing first-rate results to all his patients. He doesn't compromise quality, so patients can be assured they are getting a high level of care. Visit Jody Jones DDS. You can find him at 55 Music Square East in Nashville. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a current football booster, and we thank him again for making this season of the podcast possible. By the way, I'm looking at left-on-base stats across some other teams. Arkansas at 269, Ole Miss at 251. I just checked those first because they're probably, in my mind, the best two offenses in the league. So uh, I don't know that their on-base numbers are, for the season, extraordinary. Uh, you know, Because you, you're a good offense, you get a lot of guys on, uh, you're going to leave guys on by definition. So I would expect the best hitting teams to leave the most guys on because they have the most guys on. That's true, that's true. I mean, that, that, that could be argued that way. And, and uh, it's not a skies falling thing just yet it's just the trends here when you have a team that came out of the gate so well and and you know you and it's kind of faltered here lately as as far as what what got them there but i mean you know tennessee's won more games than vanderbilt has 
28, they're 28 and six. And what are they now in the poll? Third, and some polls third nationally. So this is a battle of two teams that lead uh, the SEC East. And, and, um, and I, I was saying, you know, you can call me out on this a couple weeks ago. Someone listened to this podcast. I, I was thinking that UT was going to, they'd lost some games in midweek to a few teams and uh, Indiana state beat them two out of three. And you're kind of like, all right, we're just waiting for the, you know, the, the ceiling to fall in and, and Charlotte beat them nine to nothing in March. And, but I mean, they have proven that they are and the, and the schedule sets up for Tennessee, Chris, uh, you know, they, they, took two out of three from Florida and they got Vanderbilt this weekend. And then they go to college station. Then they have Kentucky and Missouri back to back. That's, that's not too bad uh, as far as finishing things off. And then they have Arkansas and South Carolina. So it's not a killer's row. You would have thought if they were going to falter, they would have done it by now. And, uh, but I, I very much think that this team is uh, means business is going to be sticking around. Definitely puts himself uh, as far as a regional is concerned hosting uh hosting's another matter depending on what the glorious NCAA is going to do about that. Yeah, I think Tennessee's a good thing. Now, I think where Vanderbilt has a chance to separate which is going to be the case against anybody right is, is top end pitching, your one and your two. I think if they get their normal starts out of rocker and lighter even with the other issues right now is they're going through a little bit of a I don't know if a slump is the right word, but they're not playing the way they were. Uh, I still think even with that, those guys are so good, it allows you the opportunity to come out of a weekend with the win, even with those other things lingering in the background. Yeah, I mean, what got them there the the last four or five weekends before last weekend was lighter and rocker. And when you, we've said this ad ad nauseum before, you still got to have a game three starter. And, you know, they took, Schultz off that role and brought him midweek and and uh, you know he basically just got bumped down that doesn't mean he's a bad pitcher doesn't mean that he might not be back in there before but they're trying someone else and and uh, you know but the the injuries the potential Havoki what that situation I don't know if you've heard anything else it didn't look good uh, and uh, those things never look good when you grab your hand and your and your uh, elbow uh, but that's just one one person down. We you know haven't seen Ethan Smith for a while, uh, and you wonder what's going on there because he's a guy who can give you some innings. So they're a little wounded right now in the in the pitching staff, but they're wounded everywhere else, and they're slowly getting some guys back. And once they do that, if they can see what Cooper Davis and get him back in there and just slowly build on this thing, and of course you know uh, Colwick is, as well as he's fielding some ground balls and the hamate bone is hard to heel as far as swinging the bat you got to be able to do both so uh, I think this is a key weekend and seeing these guys and it's good to see Isaiah Thomas come back uh, he had a couple get hits uh, this past weekend so it's just a matter of getting through this and it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing every team needs to get through some struggles you don't want them just to cruise and not go through the battles and 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 be battle tested yeah, I'm not sure they're going to have Ethan Smith this week, and that's who I'd put in the three. Uh, we've not heard anything on Leboki, but I, I can't think he's pitching this weekend. Uh, and, and that was on us. I meant to ask Corbin in the press conference Wednesday about that, and we just got off on other topics and, and forgot about that. But I'm guessing they'll probably try to tag team Sunday, maybe start Riley again and get him through two or three innings. I'd probably go Schultz after that. Maybe if you can get those two guys to get you through five, uh, depending on how Rocker and Lighter go, 
and whether you, you have to have somebody throw two or three innings at, in, in relief for one of those guys, then I think maybe you can pull it off. But again, you got a lot of pressure on those guys to get deep into games in games one and two. Right, and then you've got McIlvain, who I think is pretty steady. Yeah, okay. me too. He's gonna, yeah, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna throw strikes and get you. He's not gonna hurt you. Um, and with the role, you know, with Miles Garrett, uh, that situation, Christian Little could give you some innings. Those, you know, there's there there's some guys you can piece through and and get you some outs. Uh, and that's pretty much what Sundays are. Is it's um, going to be that that scenario pretty much across the uh, southeast. Well, right now, here's the guys that I trust throw some on weekends. Uh, obviously, Lighter and Rocker. I think Schultz and Spots. I don't know if Little's ready for it or not. Maybe you've got a particular batter situation for one or two hitters uh, that might happen, but he's given up 1.6 runners per inning, and, and that's a lot. Uh, Laboki, we're going to presume, is out. Riley, I think, has been really good. I don't think he's ready. As Tim Corbin remarked last week, after about 50 pitches, they saw him tire. I think Maldonado's been great in the role that he's been in. I trust him. McIlvain, I trust. Murphy's been really good in the closing role. Still walks and hits more than I'd like to see. Um, I'm going to presume Smith's out this weekend. Beyond that, I mean, maybe Fisher. He, he was awful his last time out in terms of his control, but I don't think now with the injuries, it's not this situation where we said at the start of the year, hey, they've got maybe 13, 14 arms. Uh, with, with Spencer Jones not an option, with Doolin not an option, with Lilboki not an option, that cuts out a lot of guys who I think could have thrown a lot of effective innings for them. Yeah, it's definitely not the roster of pitchers that they had you know, in February that they thought they were going to have a, a full stable, especially with the expanded roster that, that the SEC or the NCAA is allowing them to have. So that was a bonus. But with the wounded arms and, and various you know, potential COVID things they've been going through, that's something that uh, they're just having to deal with. Now, you want to shorten your roster in the pen anyway, Right about now, you know, you want you want to get to that situation where you're relying on your normal people and they're in a routine and and all that. But they just haven't seemed to get any consistency going as far as that third spot. And that's just kind of grab all and who they can throw in there. But that's something that you want to kind of figure out here in the next weekend or two as you head down the stretch. Anything else that's standing out to you about this team or kind of where it was before you go into the mailbag chip? No, I, I just uh, I, I think it's a time uh, for those following the team to just to be patient. Uh, teams go through this, and it, as I said at the beginning, the the top of the broadcast, it really just shows you the balance of the league. That when a Georgia can come in here and do what they did, and and that could propel. There's always a team, Chris, in this league that kind of catapults after a, a kind of a so-so start, and that could be something that because I don't think really Georgia is an awful team. I think it would, they, you know, their starting pitching on Friday was exceptional and definitely handcuffed uh, Vanderbilt. But it, it, I think it just shows the balance of the league and where it's come. You, you know, you look at the, the wins and losses as far as um, where everyone is and uh, across across the spectrum. And there's some, you know, there's overall Auburn's got a losing record and Missouri's got a losing record, but. Everybody else has got 20 wins in the late, in as far as overall, not not necessarily in the conference, but there's there's quite a bit more balance uh, than there has been in the past. I think you still have some some teams that aren't doing well. I think it's a little surprising that Texas A&M's not doing as well, but uh, 
as far as any, I just think this is a big weekend. Uh, this is a very big weekend that this team needs to um, meet the challenge against a UT team that is, uh, the way I characterize them, and, I, and again, Tony Vitello, uh, he got some high praise from Tim Corbin this weekend as far as, uh, you know, he said Tony Vitello could go anywhere he wants, and I think that was, sometimes that can be a little gamesmanship that you hope he does, hope he goes somewhere else <laughs> because I think Tony Vitello when you watch these games this weekend and you're a Vanderbilt fan this is not your Dave Serrano's UT where he got guys from California and out west and and uh you know they went through some mediocrity there in you know the last 15 years and he goes and he makes the NCAA tournament his second year and like I said he's won 42 out of his last 50 games you go back to last year He's a he's spunky. Their team his teams play like uh, he coaches and his personality, a little swagger. They got some things going on with the fans there. That's they're getting on people. It'll be a hostile environment for Vanderbilt this weekend, and they know it. Uh, so this is a team that almost not. I'm not saying it mirrors a, the turnaround Tim Corbin did when he first got there, but he get it, it's definitely some similarities as a young guy first job he's recruited well wherever he's gone he's been at arkansas he's been at uh, tcu uh he played at missouri in the league although it was probably before the league really got started with missouri themselves but they are uh they got some a lot of tennessee guys a lot of georgia and and some alabama guys and one or two from florida and he's going i'm not saying he's out recruiting tim corbin i think tim still gets the guys he wants when he wants them he gets them but it's a little harder, and he's getting a few more here and there that Vanderbilt could have been on um, in the past as far as the recruiting. So that's what I'm looking for this weekend. Um, big series, both teams nine and three, both team with 26 and 28 wins, and I'm looking forward to watching all three of them, and, and I think they'll be highly competitive. The mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of all your insurance needs. Call him today, 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshuamintonhq or at facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He is my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell him you heard about his business on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Okay, uh, five-star door, I think you've answered this, but he wants to know how worried should people be after the shellacking against Georgia? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I, once again, yeah, we answer that. I, I think it's just a, it's a pause. It's a moment in time in the season that teams go through, and whether you're a major league team or you're a college team in sport, it's, I think it's just something they need to work out. And if there's anybody who's going to work it out, I think this staff will get them through it. It's not, a, it's not because of lack of talent. I think it's maybe a maturity confidence thing that they look around, they got some guys hurt and they're looking to see, you know, what to do. What are we supposed to do next? You know, kind of everyone, all those young guys are looking around. I don't care how many, how much baseball they played. Uh, there, there's a time when you, you uh, got to hit a little pause for a moment and see where you are and regroup. So not uh, real worried at this point. Now we'll talk next week and see, because uh, that we go through a little of the gauntlet here coming up on the schedule and, uh, if we don't straighten it out, it, it could be for a long couple weeks. I mean, you got Mississippi State coming in here next weekend, then you go to Gainesville, you got a non uh, non SEC game with Louisville, then you got Alabama here, and then you followed up with a trip to Ole Miss and Kentucky. Uh, so it's not going to get any easier, but it doesn't mean that we can't get it straight. 
Last question from Five Star Door. Was it simply good pitching or a deeper problem that we had so many strikeouts and so few walks against Georgia? Well, I think, the, as I've touched on before, that, that Friday night game, uh, or the Thursday night game, excuse me, see, that's where I am. It's, it's confusing to me as far as when we play. But uh, that Georgia gave us everything we could handle on the mound all weekend. And when you, when you look at the numbers that, you know, they pieced together that, you know, a couple innings, um, you know, Pearson pitched pretty well. He got the win on Friday night in the 14-2 to two win. But they they were hard to handle and threw a bunch of different arms and guys with different slot arm slots and speeds and uh, you know they um, it, it, I think it had to do with Georgia was you know they got the confidence going on Thursday night with the big win and 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 that you know that shellacking the fourteen to two and it kind of just rode it out and that's the way SEC weekends tend to be that the team that wins the first game the Friday night game or in this case sometimes Thursday night games. Uh, has that momentum, and that's why I answered a question from the mailbag a few months, a few weeks ago, about mixing up starters and doing it. You want to go out there and you win that first game. And when Georgia set the tone, even though we won the game two, it was in the back of those guys' minds, and they had the confidence from that first game that uh, propelled them into winning game three, and and that's what happened. I want to add some context here. I mean, look, Jonathan Cannon coming in the season was thought of as a first-round arm. And I looked at MLB.com, which I would presume they're talking to their own scouting bureau. Cannon was, I think, the number 23 player in the last rankings that they did for the coming draft. That includes high school players, by the way. And I think that Cannon, obviously, that had not been updated in weeks, the way that he showed against Fandy. And again, he missed part of the first of the season I think with a tired arm or an injury or something, so he's just rounding into form. That's what the professional people who get paid to do this think of him, is that he's first-round arm, and you saw it. Ryan Webb was a preseason first-team All-American at Baseball America. Now, I think that was as a reliever. They've moved him into a starting role, but the kid last year struck out 26 hitters in 15 innings, and again... Did not pitch the first couple of weekends of the year for whatever reason, uh, whether it's getting rest or recovery from injury or whatever. But you need a few starts sometimes to really round into form. We've seen it with Rocker and Lighter, right? You've seen Rocker come out, and he's not himself for the first month or so. And then the switch flips, and and here you go. And I think you're seeing that out of both the Georgia hitters. Now, you had some people in the fan base that didn't want to hear that. But part of the truth is always – what you're doing and what the other guy's doing and sometimes the other guy's just really good and and I sat behind home plate watched those kids pitch both of them they were special their stuff was electric and I think that's got a lot to do with what we saw last week and now Eastern Kentucky and UT Martin that's another issue right now Eastern I actually noticed Eastern has actually done pretty well in terms of pitching during weekdays I presume that they are using uh, the Tuesday games is a bullpen day, and they're getting some starters, some outings for an inning at a time on the, the weekdays. Eastern actually has pitched pretty well in the midweek. Uh, UT Martin, I, I don't really have an excuse for that one. And, and again, at this point, we're, we're talking about five or six games put together where they're not hitting. But part of it is, is who's doing what on the other end, and those two guys for Georgia were special arms. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Cannon, seven innings, nine strikeouts, no walks. You know, gave up scattered five hits. I mean, that's going to beat pretty much anybody in this league. 
uh, from top to bottom when you can get seven innings out of a guy like him. So it, it was everybody's got a guy. Uh, I don't care if you're Princeton or your Army or you're an OVC team or you're an SEC team, and usually SEC have two guys. And Vanderbilt has two guys that can pitch and, and dominate. Uh, but almost everybody, and that's what we talk about and we'll get into when you know NCAA tournament comes around, that's why those first-round games are pretty dangerous because the way the balance and the, and the talent that's out there right now, you, it's like a goalie in, in hockey. You get somebody who's hot, and they can stand on their head and stop anybody, but that's the case it is uh, with a lot of college programs. So um, the fact that Georgia, you know, they threw him in the 9-1 victory instead of the first game for whatever reason, that it just that's their choice. And some teams do that, but it just shows, uh, I think, the balance in the league that we have right now. Thanks for joining me today, Chip. Thank you, Chris. Have a good weekend. It works out well for us. All right. He's Chip Frederick. I'm Chris Lee. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast.